Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Help Me, I'm Middle-Aged podcast. Where you can find fun, exciting things about being middle-aged. Oh, you're going to find things about us and about yourself you never thought you knew. Hold on, come along for the ride. It's going to be fun. Welcome to the Help Me, I'm Middle-Aged podcast. My name is Rob. And I'm Rob, too. Today, our guest is Anthony Kazi. He is a local to our uh, town here in New Jersey. He is a deacon at our local church, and we thought it would be a great story if he could tell his journey about becoming a deacon in the middle-aged part of his life, because that's the subject matter of the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. That's great to be with you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for coming out again, but our basis of the podcast was to sort of dig into this journey through life, like where you're from, how you got here, your influences, and what drove you to this, um, down this journey and, and becoming a deacon, because it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a sacrifice, and you have a family, and we thought it'd be a great story for the audience to hear. Rob? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a lot of people who are watching this may not be Catholic, but, you know, if you are of a different denomination or a different religion, uh, there's probably the equivalent of a deacon in a lot of different types of religions. So this is, to me, it's kind of interesting as a person who is in their middle age time of life, uh, what are some of the things that, like, as Rob mentioned, kind of sparked the desire to proceed down here? Because I think we all face you know, we raise kids and we get to a certain part of life where you start to say, okay, what's next? So I, I look at this not really as a specific denominational focus, but as a, a person kind of saying, where do I go with my life and how can I improve upon it and how can I influence people and, and help the community? So I'm, I'm very excited to hear, you know, what kind of sparked this for you. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a different for everybody i mean it is a calling mm -hmm. um and so for everybody it's a little different you know for me you were saying you know, where do i come from um i grew up the early part of my life in uh, bay ridge new york uh moved out as a teen into into the kind of the shore area middletown new jersey um grew up went to college at uh, marist college it's uh, poughkeepsie new york uh, met my wife. Well, at the time she was, you know, just my girlfriend became my fiance and married her, uh, met her at, at Marist. Um, right now I'm, I'm a 54 year old father of three boys, uh, ages 24 through 15 mm -hmm. and, um, uh, married for 29 years to that, that woman I met at, uh, Marist, a lovely woman. Um, thank you. I work as a uh, technology manager, a product manager for a tech company. Um, I've coached youth, youth sports for about 18 years at baseball and football primarily. Um, and uh, was past Grand Knight in the Knights of Columbus and district deputy of uh, the former district deputy in the Knights of Columbus. And um, now I'm a deacon in a Catholic church. You know, as you can tell, I, I'm kind of a type A personality. Uh, I kind of keep myself, keep myself busy. Um, but my journey to become a deacon was kind of, um, let's say it was, uh, coincidental. Um, I wasn't, you know, it isn't something like, well, I was looking for something to do and I became a deacon. Right. Um, it, it really is something where, uh, I had heard the call for a while. Um, I, feel that God has blessed my family and I with quite a lot. And I wanted to give back a little bit. Um, I wanted to kind of be in service to, to God and his church. And um, there was a call maybe five or six years before I was actually thinking about it. I kind of heard about it. And I knew about it. Um, our parish has been blessed to, to have an abundance of deacons. I think it's important where you can see a deacon to understand what they do to get a sense of who they are. I think that cultivates uh, the call to be a deacon. Uh, but I had been thinking about it for a while. I hadn't really told anybody about it. I had just been thinking about it. And um, this woman came up to me one day and she said, uh, listen, I had a dream last night. Uh, Mary has something important for you to do. She, she, she says it's important and you really should go through with it. And I hadn't told even my wife at that point. 
and I'm kind of thinking like, uh, is that what she's talking about? You know, uh, <laughs> um, I wasn't quite sure. And um, I was in the Knights of Columbus, as I said, and I was, this is maybe about a month later, I'm giving her a presentation and somebody said, you know, I, as you were talking, I kind of got this image of Mary over your right shoulder and, you know, she was smiling at you and not sure what that means, but that was, you know, you know, that was, that was the, the, the image I got in my head. And I said to myself, okay, that's a little coincidental. That's a little strange. Do you know people. these people? Did you, did you know them or? Uh, one, I knew pretty one. one. One's a parishioner at our church, the, the one who had the, the dream. Uh, the mm -hmm. other one, um, I didn't really know before. It was just somebody who had come. We were starting a, a new Knights of Columbus chapter over at uh, the local parish next door. And he happened to be there. And, you know, he's sort of known in his parish for having these visions. So it was a little, little odd, a uh, little, little disconcerting. I don't know the right word. Um, and then maybe it was two or three months after that, I was at another Knights of Columbus function. And uh, we had a ceremony that was at the church and I'm sitting next to the, the pastor and he says, you look pretty good. And I thought he was talking about what I was wearing. I'm like, Hey, thanks. You know? And he goes, no, you the seat you're in. It's a, it's a good seat. You ought to think about making it a permanent thing. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you're sitting in the deacon's chair. You ought to think about it. And now again, this is now three or four months. I haven't even told my wife. I haven't told anybody, but I've had three people now sort of say there was a plan for me and, and so now I'm starting to get, a, quite frankly, I was getting a little unnerved right. <laughs> about it. Um, and so I think it was maybe um, a few months after that, that I had a, a friend who was a priest over the house. And what had been going on is I'm, I'm asking, I'm praying every, all this time saying, you know, God, why do you want me? You know, I'm just, just a middle-aged guy. You know, I've got my family. I've got all these other things going on. Why do you want me? And um I asked this specific prayer one week and this priest friend happened to be over. I said, said, um, I, my prayer at the time was Lord. Um, I don't think I'm worthy for this. I'm, I'm not, you know, if all the people you could pick, why are you picking me? And at this dinner, I hadn't even told this priest, hadn't told my wife yet. He says, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I was in the seminary, I, I had a conversation with my rector. And I said, you know, I'm really not sure I'm worthy to become a deacon, uh, worthy to become a priest. And his comment, the director's comment back to him was, well, none of us are, but God makes us worthy. And now I'm going, well, here's like somebody talking exactly in answer to a prayer I prayed like maybe three or four days ago. Make wow. a long story short, you know, a little less short. Um, I've gone through and there was a number of these different sort of coincidences that had gone on. And, you know, that prayer and answer thing happened several times. I, my prayer changed and I got an answer within a certain amount of time. So I went to see the, the local pastor and I asked him, I said, listen, um, these coincidences have happened. Like, what do you think? And his comment to me was, well, I don't know that he's, that, that the Lord is calling you to become a deacon, but he's definitely calling you somewhere. And if you follow it, you'll find out what it is. And so now I'm saying to myself, do I go through with this? Do I not go through with this? Because it is a commitment. And then I said to myself, you know, if I don't go through with this, I'm saying no. I'm saying no to God. But if I do go through with it and he doesn't want me to come to deacon, don't worry. He'll take care of that, you know. Mm -hmm. So rather than me say no to God, I'd rather say the yes and have him tell me no. And that's sort of what started the whole journey. It was... You know, wow. nope, you know, nobody, I kept asking, what's a calling? What's a calling feel like? And I never really got an answer. And the, the reason why is that calling is different for everybody. It's a little different. It's, it's basically knowing that there's something more that you should be doing, a, a slight pull, a tug to something different, and right. then having the courage to, to live that out. Was there anything like, without getting too personal, like very negative in your life, that there was a void that you needed to fill with something? No, like? I... Well, you know, it really wasn't a void. It wasn't like, well, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm middle-aged, some things in my life are going away, so I need something to fill it. It wasn't that. It, yeah. it, is, it is filling your life with something else, but, you know, it's, it's one of those mysteries of faith kind of thing, you know. Uh, it's a cup that's full, but still can be filled more. You know, it's one of right. those, you know. Yeah. And you're still working during this whole time too, right? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things about that. You know, we talk about deacons before we go much further. You know, there are two types of deacons, right? There's yeah. the transitional deacons. So in the journey to priesthood in the Catholic Church, one of the steps is to become a deacon. 
Right. Okay. Um, but what you know, I live is is what's called the permanent diaconate. I there is no progression into becoming a priest for me. So in the permanent diaconate, yeah, you got your job, you got your family, you know, you've got your kids, you got the church. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Okay. So what do they typically require if, if a person wants to become a deacon? Like time commitment, education, all yeah. those. Yeah. I, so this is a huge, this is like, you're at this point when you make that decision, you're all in. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, so, all right, there's two questions in there. So what are the requirements? The requirements are you have to be 35 years old, at least 35 years old. Uh, you have like to be president. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have to be uh, male. You have to be in the Catholic Church for at least five years. So like if you were baptized as an adult, you have to be in the Catholic Church for five years. You have to be practicing. You need to get a recommendation from your pastor. Um, if you're married, you have to be in a stable marriage. They tend to want about 10 years of stable marriage. Um, those are the kind of the basic requirements from an educational standpoint. Um, they want generally they want you to have a, a high school graduate or a GED. Um, but those are the basic requirements. Right. Um, but being all in, then you start a program. And you know, the first step is get recommended by your pastor. Then you serve, there's a year of discernment. And that's sort of where you sort of discern if this is right for you. You, go th you and your wife go through some uh, training sessions, not training sessions, but you know, educational sessions where they tell you a little bit about what to expect and what it's like and what's the life like. Um, you go through a period of, of light study. Uh, they give you some books to read. Um, they do a psychological exam on you. Um, you got to get paperwork together. So in that one year, you got that year to kind of look at it and say, am I interested or am I not interested? Um, and the church is looking at you and going, okay, do you fit the criteria at the same time? Then you go through four years of education. Um, it's that four years of education where you're sort of all in because now you're actually doing study. Um, the cost of the study, I mean, um, it's a little different from diocese to diocese, but our diocese works uh, in conjunction with Seton Hall. So my study was basically, I, I have a master's in theology uh, from Seton Hall. That's the kind of the core curriculum you go through. Mm -hmm. um, that cost of that is covered one third by the family, one third by the parish and one third by the diocese. So, you know, you got a little skin in the game at that point by the time you start education, because you know, you're paying at least part of the mm -hmm. education. No, I don't. No. I don't think it's a financial thing. It's it's more of a. Um, it's a it's a time commitment between you, your family, oh. like like you like I in the pre-interview, <clears throat> you said this wasn't basically this was a family decision too. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to right. be. Right. You know, <clears throat> um, my wife has made a lot of sacrifices because of the time commitment that I have in the church. Um, you know. One of my fears, and, and my, my wife has to live this too, you know, one of my fears is, you know, I went from being a regular guy to being a representative of the church. You're looked at a little differently, you know, yeah. you're in, you're, you get cut off in you know, traffic today, you know, you know, before the diaconate and you use a few choice words, the worst that someone's <laughs> going to say is, oh, there goes uh, Anthony Kazi over there. You know, now you say a few choice words and you're going, oh, there's the deacon at the local parish. <laughs> ah, I get it. You, know? <laughs> so you live life a little differently. You, you really do, even separate from everything else. But, you know, my kids have to put up with the fact that their dad's a deacon. And, you know, they hear me preach around the house all the time. Now they got to hear me on Sundays as well. Right. Uh, you know, my wife's got to realize that there's times that I'm going to be away uh, counseling, cu uh, counseling couples or baptisms or there's going to be. Uh, family occasions that I may have to miss because the scheduling just doesn't work out. So, does she have to do anything as as wife? Uh, she doesn't. Well, during well, I mean, she's got to do a lot of stuff. She's got to pick up the slack for me around the house. So she's got a lot to do. <laughs> That's a given, though. I guess for yeah. all of us, though. Yeah, but but um, during the training, she did have to go to some sessions um, during the the four years of study. They had these uh, women's. Um, study groups as well which kind of a, i think it was a good thing it allowed that the, the wives to kind of share stories and to talk about what it's like right. uh, because they had deacon's wives coming and doing this they also had a bit of women's spirituality so it helped deepen their faith a little bit more um 
but from a, a requirement of the church for my wife to do anything now, no, it's just, it's living a different life. It's, it's living a life where, you know, her husband is doing something else and she's been very gracious. I mean, the one thing I'll say is a deacon can't do this without the support of their family. They need to have their family supporting them. It's got to be a family decision. Anthony, question for you. So when you go counsel people, um, when you talk to people and they open their heart out about their problems and what's going on in their lives, right? You know, it can be like emotional, right? And then you have to, you have to sort of hear this either tragic story or personal problem. And then like you walk back in the door to your house and you have to sort of like shut that off. But that, how do you separate that emotion that you just heard? Cause like, I'm a very emotional guy. Like I would be with me for days. You know what I mean? So is that, is that something they teach you or you, you've learned to turn it off when you walk back in the door? Cause you need to be present in your family's household. Yeah. You know, that is a struggle. I, I, I'm one that I tend not to completely compartmentalize things because I kind of feel if you bottle it up long enough, it's going to, it does take some time to process. Um, they do. And, and it's part of the education. They do do some pastoral care so they kind of do some situations like you know how would you handle this and and they talk through how to how to have pastorally care for people um but i think some of it is the makeup of the person that's looking to become a deacon i think if you're willing to to put yourself out there um you already have a little bit of that characteristic to kind of you know open your heart out to people um you know it's something we all have to deal with i guess um yeah yeah it was there was there anybody along this path you know that was either like a mentor or was there anybody who kind of advised you not to go down this path i mean well i mean nobody advised me not to go down the path okay yeah. but i will say that you know anybody that knows a little bit about being a deacon will say don't go down this path without thinking it through um, right. don't go down this path without doing discernment and due diligence um it's not something to be taken lightly um I'm sort of blessed. I had even before all of this, I had some friends that were priests. Um, so they could kind of help me along the path. Um, you know, there, there was a, a, a particular priest that used to serve at our parish that I'm very good friends with. And he was very key and instrumental in uh, being a sounding board for me during my, my time uh, in, in the study, um, as well as just being there to be a good friend and, and supportive. Um, and that's, that's huge. You know, that was, that was big for me. And I guess another question I have is that, you know, as you're going down this path, you're going to become a deacon. What can a deacon do that a priest or, you know, what can a priest do that a deacon can't do? And, you know, are you mini priest type of no, thing? Or no, you know, I'm glad you use, I'm, I'm glad you use that word because I want to, I want to make that clear. You know, a deacon is not a mini priest. Okay, they are two completely separate roles. Um, and anybody that says, you know, that a deacon is a mini priest doesn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. Priests are imaged in, you know, the are supposed to be imaged in Christ, the priest, you know, uh, you know, priest, prophet and king. So, so they are there, they serve in persona Christi when it comes to things like the mass, uh, when it comes to uh, things like the um, confession. All right. Our image is Christ the servant. We're here to serve. Um, and so really our role is around serving the local community. Um, if you go back and you look at the first um, deacons, you'll see them in the, Acts, the, the, the book, The Acts of the Apostles. Um, the apostles needed to go preach. They needed to evangelize. They needed to do the religious services. And yet the people that followed them needed people to help uh, make sure that wealth was being distributed equally, that there weren't arguments and fights. They needed people to make sure that widows were getting food because some of the widows, because they weren't originally Jews, weren't getting food. Mm -hmm. So to handle those administrative functions, to handle the charity aspect of things, to handle the servant type aspect, uh, seven men in uh, the Acts of the Apostles were ordained to serve as the first deacons. It's sort of the same thing now. So, you know, our main things are to serve, uh, uh, you know, assist the priest at mass, um, things that we can do, you know, sacraments we can do, we can perform baptisms, we can perform firm, uh, funerals, we can do wake services, 
we can be witnesses at marriages. One of the main things that priests do that deacons do not, priests are ordained and can consecrate the Blessed Sacrament. So, you know, we can't do, we, you know, we can't be at Mass and, and consecrate communion for anybody. Um, so if we have a wedding that's got a Mass, you need a priest. Uh, we can be the witness to that. So if you're doing just a, um, a wedding ceremony, not a Mass, uh, we can do that. Um, priests can, only priests can hear confessions. Deacons cannot, you know, I, I joke with people. I said, I can hear your confession. Just can't do much about the sin. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, it's, um, it is a very different role. We're really here to bring the needs of the people to the priest and the, and the pastor. Um, we're to sort of be that feet on the street a little bit too. You know, uh, we have jobs, so we do our work in the workplace as well. You know, we do our work in our families. So, you know, we have a, a different sort of reach than the priest has. Uh, you know, that's one of the advantages of, of the diaconate. I, I got a question for you about the homily. So sometimes uh, the deacon will do the homily. Yeah. So, so um, for for your average Catholic, I guess some homilies hit home to an individual and others don't, right? <laughs> and based on the week, right? So I'm I when I walk out of church, I'm like, wow, that homily was that 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 hit home, right? How much time? It's it seems like I mean you're up there talking for a while. Is it like all week? You're like you're, you're some you're, of us. You're it seems like we're talking for longer than others. That's good. That's fine. But is is it like? Uh, how long does it take you to come up with that homily? It's almost like a mini book every, every week, you know, it's like a, how, how long does it take you to figure it out? Right. Is it is something that you're thinking about all week long? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, probably a couple of weeks now deacons in a way have an advantage over priests. I mean, priests preach every single day. You know, I, I it depends from parish to parish, you know, right. oftentimes um, deacons might preach once a quarter, our parish okay. were blessed to, to preach once a month. Our pastor is very supportive of, of, of uh, the deacons preaching. Um, so oftentimes it'll be like, I'll be thinking about it a couple of weeks in advance. Uh, just right. to get an idea out. Um, the average homily, they say, should be between seven to 10 minutes, um, somewhere in that range. I know a priest who used to tell the mothers to hold their kids because um, she, he, as he would look at them. And as soon as the baby started to fuss, he'd end his homily wherever he was. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I would say on average for a Sunday homily, eight to 10 hours. I spend on it, um, not necessarily all in one sitting, but I'll spend eight to 10 hours on it. And I will tell you two little anecdotes. You know, one is there's been a, quite a number of times that I've spent about seven or eight hours on it. And maybe a couple of hours be, before the, the mass, I've said, oh, this is garbage. I got to just get rid of this thing. <laughs> and, and so now, but that's when this, the Holy Spirit really flows through you. And that, now it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit kind of flowing through you. And that, that is important, you know, uh, my process is to pray before I, I actually start writing. Um, the other, the other story I'll, I'll tell you about, um, you know, uh, homilies is very often the homilies that I go, go away going, this is not my best work. I really, I'm just not feeling this. I mean, I spent the time, but I, I hope, I hope somebody gets something out of this. That's usually the one ironically where people come up to me and go, man, that was just, that was incredible. It's like you, you knew what I needed to hear. You know, you said just, just exactly what I needed to hear. I really appreciate it, man. That really hit home. And I go, man, that's the one I didn't like, you know? So yeah. you never really know, you know, yeah. I, I write it based upon what I think I need and what I think other, other people need. Um, I try and write my homilies in a way that I'll say feed people. So, you know, I had a, a, a teacher who would say the important part of the homily is the so what, you know, you could say, well, Jesus rode from the dead. So what, what's that mean to me? Unless I can make something out of it, unless I can use it in my life, what does that really mean? Those are just words, unless I know how to put that into practice in my life. And so I, I, you know, my struggle, not my struggle, my, my work is to try and get the, so what, how do you make these this practical in people's lives? And I think if you do that, 
you're more apt to have those homilies that hit home because people can kind of see what's this mean to me? What's this mean to my family? What do I have to do? How do I live my life differently? Well, I, I think that like I was telling you before, like I've gone through, <clears throat> you know, I'm 51 years old, right? I'm approaching middle age soon, I think. But uh, <clears throat> so, and throughout the course of my life, if those of us remember the old radios, we used to have to tune it in by your hand, right? In the car. And like, that's how I feel sometimes I am with religion. Like sometimes I'm locked in and other times, like I feel like I fade and other times I'm locked in. Um, so when you're, when you're, at, when you're, speaking to the congregation or you're having one-on-ones do you get that with some some people where you try and like bring them back in or just have a conversation look you know um i i think that we all our faith ebbs and flows a little bit um i mean that's no different like think, think about it like in terms of your marriage i mean there are some days that marriage is really easy there's some days that marriage isn't as easy you ebb and flow but you're committed to that marriage so you don't go away and you, you try and find your way back. I think faith is the same thing is that we ebb and flow, but our commitment to our faith is what's important that even though we may be in a bit of a dry period, we're looking forward to that way back. We're looking for that way back. And, you know, um, hopefully that's part of what I hope to do. You know, why did I become a deacon? You know, what, what, what really motivates me to become a deacon? It's, if I can find that way to help people to understand their faith better, bring them closer to their faith. Um, you know, I, I think that one of the questions that I'm going to be asked, you know, at, at the pearly gates is, is going to be how many people did you lead back to Christ? And, you know, hopefully I've got a good answer for that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a lot because I've, you're, I've, you're I've, a good I've, example yeah. if nothing else. So, Absolutely. Well, you know, that's the other thing, you know, being, you know, getting to the middle age portion of it, you know, there's an advantage that there there is a, you know, we talked a little bit about the sacrifice that the family has to make, but there's also a benefit there. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's important for men to experience their spirituality and, and be leaders in their house, you know, along with their wives, but, but men have to be strong in their faith, especially if they have sons. Um, there was a study done that if a, a father goes to mass, well, if a father doesn't go to mass in general, the odds, whether or not the wife goes or doesn't go, the odds that the child is going to continue to go to mass is under 5%. Wow. If the father doesn't go, if the father goes, that number jumps to like 40 and 50%. Because for whatever reason, they, you know, kids seem to take their cue from the male. And yet I think it's very common in a lot of Christianities, especially the Catholic church for men to sit back and go, well, that's my wife's job. She'll make, she'll make sure she goes to the kids will go to CCD. They, they make sure they go to church. So it really, if you want your, your kids to stay close to the faith, I think it's important as a, as a man to, to kind of live that faith out. So I see this not only as something that I want to do to serve, but maybe something I can be an example to my three boys for on, mm-hmm. on how to stay close to the church and how important faith is. Interesting. As far as, um, you know, you said married becoming a deacon. If you're single, becoming a deacon, I've I've read, and you know, whether or not this is situational between different parishes, can you get married then, or do you have to remain single? No, there's a sort of special celibacy that deacons have. So if you're married before you're ordained, um, the, the, the church, you know, welcomes the sanctity of marriage and, and you're to live that out. Uh, if your wife were to pass, um, you then become celibate, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I had, I have promised that if my wife passes away, I will not remarry. Um, I will then remain celibate. Um, and it's kind of funny because, um, the permanent deacons all take that. I'm sorry. The transitional deacons all take that promise. Okay, and they often have the ceremony together. And so they have to be very careful at the ordination to make sure they know who are the transitional deacons, who are the permanent deacons, and, uh, and who are the unmarried permanent deacons, because they don't want the wrong people stepping forward to take that oath without even realizing, because trust me, you know, sort of like a wedding day, an ordination day, your mind's a bit of a blur. Right. You're kind of just kind of moving along. And you don't want the wrong guy making a promise to celibacy when he's married at ordination time, so... Right. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so I guess I, if you go ahead, Rob. I got a question for you. Um, so when you do, have you, you've done funerals before, correct? Uh, yes. When you don't know the person, <clears throat> I always find this an amazing talent. Like, you know, they weren't religious. They, they were Catholic baptized. The family wants a, a, a mass with the is it is is it tough to like say a few words about the the deceased and 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 not like know them like have a connection with them well some you know, some priests some priests do it great i don't know if they recycle a lot of lines or not but other ones are like you know it, i imagine it's got to be tough well it isn't it isn't because i think if you're giving good pastoral care you may not have known the family before the person has passed on right. but you've gotten to know them in the last few days because there is a pastoral uh, care in just being there, just being available. Um, And so, you know, normally a a priest uh, or a deacon would have been to the wake service for that funeral, would have gotten to meet the family maybe a little bit and learned a little bit and talked a little bit about them. Um, You know, you might have been there if the person was sick or ill, you know, a priest may have been there and, and giving them, uh, last rites, you know, the anointing of the sick. Um, so there are opportunities to kind of get to meet the family. Now, you know, that, that isn't possible all the time, but I think in those moments, um, you kind of try to learn a little bit about the person. And then there's just some, some, um, even if you don't have personal details about the person, you can speak to the hope, you know, the hope in, in heaven and the importance of, um, the fact that, that this person is loved by God and God wants to, you know, wants all of us to be with him in heaven. And so there is always the hope that, um, this, you know, that, that the, with him in heaven and, and, you know, clearly life is not the end of everything. Right. 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 So I think, you know, if you don't know the person, you kind of focus on that, that aspect of, of God's love and, and the hope of heaven. So on one sense, what would you say, was there any challenges in being a deacon and the uh, verse, the, the joy of it? Well, you know, clearly, I, I don't think if, if the if the joy did not weigh the, any sacrifice, I think it would be harder for, for the number of deacons to exist. I mean, right now there's 142 deacons in our diocese about 32, and then an additional 32 that are retired. So, you know, I think that if you speak to most deacons, they're going to tell you that the joy and the benefits outweigh any sacrifices, hands down. Um, You know, just simply knowing that you've given somebody some, some peace of mind, that you've helped them on their journey to get married, that you've welcomed their child into the Catholic faith, I mean, what joy is that? And and I stand right next to the priest when a miracle happens every Sunday at mass. How many people right. can say that? You know it's what true. I mean? Yeah, I watch a miracle true. at least once every Sunday happen right on the altar. And I'm right there, you know, next to the priest when it's happening. So it's not a know, bad Sunday morning. No, it's not a bad Sunday morning. It really isn't. And, you know, <laughs> but there were benefits to my family too. You know, um, I can see that my kids are closer to the faith. You know, I bring, bring some of those books home from, from my studies and my kids are reading them. I mean, these are not light material. This is not light reading material. <laughs> right. You know, I've got, my oldest son is reading Tom St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, you don't necessarily just pick that up and go, I need something to read when I'm, you know, heading into the, uh, the bathroom or something like that. I mean, this is like serious stuff, but they're picking the stuff up and they're, they're really reading it, you know? Um, and it, it does change your dinner conversations a little bit. I got to say that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Rob. Hey, well, another quick question I had, you know, who's your boss? Yeah, my boss. That's, that's a I know your a, wife. I mean, don't give me Yeah, well, that's right. That is number one. Absolutely. That is that is number one. That, that's right. the chairman of the board. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, so there there is a practical answer and there's a technical answer. So technically, <clears throat> deacons are ordained to serve the bishop. Okay. Um, but practically, the bishop then assigns that deacon to serve a parish mm. and by definition, a pastor. So Yes, my pastor is my boss, 
Um, there is a, an unwritten number one rule above everything else in the diaconate. Number one rule is the pastor is always right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like home. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. Kind of. <laughs> and can they send you to a different parish or are you, do you have a say and or... That, that's another one about that's another one that's got the technical answer and the sort of the practical answer. The right. technical answer is, yeah, we're we're at the bishops. You know, we, we like a priest. We promise obedience to the bishop and the bishop could move us. And it's at wherever the need is. I right. got I was blessed. You know, we had uh, already had four deacons, which is a lot for a parish. And yet they assigned me to my home parish. Um, that doesn't normally happen. Sometimes you'll have to go to a parish that isn't where you grew up or you're, you're currently going. But they tend not to move deacons around like they do priests. Like So priests, every three to five years, they try and rotate priests. Deacons, not that way in practice because they recognize that the family, the whole family's going to that parish. It's a little invasive to uproot the whole family out of a parish and yeah. move them to another one. So in, in theory, yes, they could move me around. In practice, they tend not to. But if a need arises big enough, they might. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you got to go where the need is. That's exactly right. And do they, um, you mentioned before a few deacons retired. Is there, what's the parameters around leaving being a deacon for, through a retirement type situation? Yeah, well, there's not a universal rule across all dioceses. Um, most dioceses that age is 75. Um, mm -hmm. And then if you want, you can apply at age 75 for an extension if you still want to continue. Um, and that extension is granted year by year. So every year, uh, you know, the, okay. the bishop would approve the extension. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I guess after, you know, you start to get up there, the age functions of things and they just want to make sure everything is still consistent. Is there like a um, continuing edu education situation you oh, have to do? Yeah, that is true. Um, they do very often have workshops. And um, now COVID, this has sort of changed a little bit, but um, there is a retreat. Uh, deacons have to go on a, a four or five day retreat every year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there always is a continuing education in, in that respect. Um, you know, it's also true that, that faculties, you know, certain faculties may or may not, you talk about, you know, the ability, you know, the, the mental acuity kind of thing. Um, you know, deacons don't, they're not guaranteed the faculty to preach. So, you know, if someone, their mental acuity was a little off or something like that, they could suspend, let's say, the, the, the faculty to preach if, if they wanted to. And still keep the deacon as functioning, you know, as a, an assistant at mass and, and other things. Right. So they could adjust those faculties and, and you could still remain a deacon. But, you know, what some of these, I, I can't really speak to the, the 32. I don't know the, the 32 men personally. But if I, let's say, let's say I was going to retire, I was going to move down to South Carolina. My privileges to become a deacon are only in this diocese. So oh, if I move down to South Carolina. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so I would like for South, if I were to move down to South Carolina, I'd have to get two to continue to become a deacon. I need two two things. I need my the parrot the bishop where I was coming from to write a letter saying that I have the ability to continue to become a deacon that I left in good standing here, and I need the approval of the bishop of South Carolina, you know, whatever parish in South Carolina that they you know diocese they have down there, they'd have to approve it. Um, this is for a couple of reasons. This is one to make sure like, you know, if they have too many deacons, you know, they're not just going to throw another one on necessarily. So it's based upon need a little bit. Um, and it's also to make sure that, you know, someone isn't just leaving one place to go to another because they're trying to leave some bad situation behind. That's why they need the, the bishop to say they left in good standing. Right. right. Anthony, I have a question. So when people uh, need counseling or they, they want to reach out to do 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 they reach out to you personally or they reach out to the rectory and then you're that person's given to you to to reach out and have a conversation with how does that 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 work it's you know it, it is a mix i would say most people go through the parish office and that's what they really should do go through right. the parish office um but you know sometimes you get people that know you personally 
And so right. they just, you know, they feel comfortable talking to you and they may ask, at which point I'll just let the, the office know that, hey, look, we've had somebody that's requested X, Y, Z. They want me to, to talk to them about something and I'm going to do that and I'm going to pick it up. And you know, we share the load that, you know, again, we've got five deacons and soon I, I understand to be six in our parish. So um, I think that, you know, we share that load. So it's important that we all let everybody know what we're doing and, and communicate. And that connection then, like that stays with you, like if that person's having a rough time and you sort of <clears throat> through counsel, get them over the hump. And like, that must be like an interesting, you, you always have that connection with that person that you were there in their time of need. Yeah. And you know what? Um, that's where you get some of that payback, if you know what I mean, that, you know, that yeah. you're there during a time of need and, and, you know, Hey, look, you know, they're, 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 they're coming through on the other side. And right. I had something to do with that. And you can, you can feel good. You know, you, you know, that's, that's where you get, I, to me, that's the ultimate pride. Right. That's the joy. Yeah. That's the, 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 that, that energy you get back to you, you know, yeah. that, that's awesome. It's gotta be, you know, not all, not all of us have the ability to, you know, help someone out like that. That's, that's a special little gift, you know? Well, you know, we all have the ability to help somebody at some level. We all have gifts. And it's just a, a matter, it's just a matter of trying to find what your gift is and how to give that back. No, that's absolutely. You're right about that. You're totally right about that. And do you have like any, like five years in the future goals for being a deacon or is there any sort of like larger aspect of this that you'd like to see happen or is it just do yeah. it and just keep doing it and affecting lives in a positive way? And yeah, that's for me, that's it. I mean, I, you know, there to be you know the only other kind of aspect i mean i could i could help the diocese in some bigger way you know like like uh we have a, a deacon that's at our church that's serving as the head of the deacons for the diocese of metuchen so you can kind of kind of go into that aspect of things for me i'm that's not really something i'm i'm interested in doing um right. I, I did this to help the, the person sitting next to me um and so i'm just happy i'm happy where i am i don't know that i'd want to change a thing yeah no, that's in, 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 in our interview you were talking about um your pre-interview you were talking about um your mom had a really strong faith oh yeah my mother you, yeah look I, I look i grew up in an italian household does that surprise <laughs> you at all um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know my mother was always the one who yeah, my father was, I don't, I don't want to give the wrong impression. My father had faith as well, but you knew that you were getting in that car on Sunday morning because you weren't going to tell mom, I don't feel like going or, you know, they, what, that, that argument just had no legs. Right. Um, right, right. And, and my mother was very, very faithful. Um, so I, you know, I, I did get that from her, but I, again, I'll say my father was right there at mass and, and uh, you know, he was, he was an example as well. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up lucky like that, you know, uh, I know in the pre-interview you had asked me, you know, was there a time I wasn't as close to the, 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 the faith? And, you know, I, I think I told you, ironically, it was went to a, when I went to a, a Catholic college called Marist College, and there was a chapel right in the center of, of campus. That's when, you know, you're a college kid, you got too much other things to do, and you think you're invincible, and, yeah. you know, you know, who needs you know all this other stuff? You know it all, right? Sure. And, you know, although I grew up as an altar boy, I grew up with that strong faith. Yeah, it was college where I kind of fell away from it. And, you know, I, I needed to come back to that. But it was my mother's example. It was my father's example. It was the fact that my household was ingrained in this, you know, to kind of do a, a very, you know, I'm a child of the 80s to do a very bad karate kid uh you know reference he talks about the, the strong roots of the tree you know and when daniel right. sand is broken he's got those strong roots he can go back to well it's that same sort, sort of strong roots thing that i had with my my family that's important so you know i would say to couples that are considering having kids or or have young kids the faith you give them now that's going to be those strong roots back later and so yeah. if you want to keep them close to the faith show them by example, you know, that's good. Well, I, 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 lo I love, I love the fact that you said that, like, you know, your, your kids reading the, the books that you're reading. And like, when I first came into it, um, 
I was like, wow, this is a big sacrifice to the family. And you were like, yes and no. And I had no idea that like your example of going through this journey um, basically brought the whole family closer to the church. It and did. I thought that I thought that was an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, it it really did. I that's one of the big benefits. Um, I think <clears throat> that you know, again, there's some times where my kids get tired of hearing me preach, um, but I think by the same token, um, as you said, my 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 family's reading these same books that I'm reading. The conversation in our household has changed. It's you know, um, we talk about our faith a lot more. Um, my kids aren't afraid or uncomfortable to pray as a family. You know, that's something that not too many families do anymore, but they kind of know that's, you know, we're a family and we're a family that under God, you know, we're, we're a family that follows, follows Jesus Christ. And so, you know, it has affected our family in such a positive way. And that's another benefit. Yeah. Yeah. From look from outside looking in that was it was a i was I, I wasn't thinking that and then when you brought that to my attention i was like wow you know look i have i have a 15 year old son who's still an altar server and he's not ashamed to do it you know right, right. i in my 24 year old was serving at 19 20 years old and and happy to do it you know these are boys where look i'm blessed i had my my oldest son tell me once when we were leaving church he says you know, dad, it takes us so long to, to leave church because you say goodbye to people. You know, so many people here. <laughs> I said, yeah, is that really a bad thing? He goes, no, but you know, we're here for mass. We're here for the Knights of Columbus. They were in the squires, you know, they got all these things going on. I goes, we're here like a lot of nights during the week. I said, is that a bad thing? And he looks at me and he says, no, you know what? This place feels like home. You know, yeah, cool. to that's have great. your kid tell you that church feels like home, not just a place you go to for an hour a week but a place that feels like a community the home where people where he belongs that's again another great benefit yeah in today's that's society awesome. that's huge i mean to have that's, that other connection yeah just the family that's very yeah. important yeah yeah that's that's great it's great that if, if he feels at home in the church doesn't feel yeah that that's that's awesome that's awesome yeah. hey how about um now so we're it's 2021 now you started this whole journey what year Let's see, I was ordained the class of 2019. That would have meant I started this journey. Well, if you talk about actually entering the program, probably around 2015. I was probably thinking about it in 2013. Wow. And did, uh, did COVID blindside you as you got ordained? <laughs> Who didn't it blindside? <laughs> Who knew COVID <laughs> was coming? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I got to be honest with you. I did, I did not think the churches were going to be shut down. Yeah. I kind of, I looked at that as like an essential, you know, Perfect. essential service. Yeah. Right. Essential service. So I really didn't know that it was going to get shut down. And then it got shut down. If you remember like weeks before Palm Sunday, mm -hmm. so, like during that, the highest kind of, highest holy time of of the year so now was your first it. palm sunday or that would it no would it be? wasn't no no it wasn't i had one before that gotcha. um i think right 2020 20, yes 20 no it would have been my first palm sunday i think you're right okay. wow so you didn't get a chance to, as you're newly deaconized yes buy your talents i guess i i guess right let me think about this 2020 2019 yeah, yeah, it would have been because I was ordained in, in May of 2019 and 2020. Yeah. Wow. I didn't really realize that. Yeah. Sure. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Uh, it was it was not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you put all this work in and then all of a sudden you're what are you doing? I mean, well, yeah, well, that was the most interesting thing. You know, what was I doing? Probably the same thing everybody else was doing, watching mass via live stream. Right. Um, I, I, I got to, you know, um, it, you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't go to mass anymore. It's just kind of, kind of an odd sure. thing. So has yeah. the numbers of, uh, people like, have they stayed away? Like is the church, because well, I was there at 12 o'clock mass the other day and like, you know, my, my, my mind starts going, I was like, okay, well, were there this many people here before COVID, you know, so ha have you have some people not felt comfortable coming back or have they just broken the habit like what, what what's the attendance ratio 
Well, I don't, you know, I can't give you any official numbers because I'm really not yeah. to all the official numbers, but I'll tell you, you my, get a my feeling. feeling. Yeah, my right. feeling. Um, it's tough to say right now. I'll say it's tough to say because it's summer, right? Yeah. right and unfortunately, right. I hate to say it, 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 you know, we need to go to Mass even during the summer and you know, we need to go to Mass <laughs> even when we're on vacation. But, you know, I, I will tell you that Mass attendance drops off in the summer. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of tough to say right now, but I will say I'm very pleased with um the number that's come back i do see a, a a much bigger number that's in the in the parish right now right. um i think we'll know a little bit more in probably the next three or four weeks as school starts up and and people are out of going to the beach and going down to the shore right. um but i will tell you the numbers are up and good, good, i will tell good. you that there are but i will also tell you there are still some people that are afraid um and are staying home for safety precautions i think there's some that really should i mean if they're in a high risk yeah i i, I get it um right. you know but i you know the obligation is back so you know if if we're not in a critical situation we're not sick or we're not extremely vulnerable we should be at mass one of the funniest things i ever heard a priest say was easter sunday and you know it's like jack the place he can't move he says uh, we're here all year folks <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be here all year. I mean that that is you know that is an important thing. I mean, like you know, God wants us there every Sunday. So yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I say you know I say to my kids, you know, um, if somebody gave you 168 bucks at the beginning of every week, right, and at the end of the week said, listen, uh, can you give me one buck back? Would you tell them though? If they, right. if they gave you 168 bucks in the beginning of the week, and I picked 168 for a particular reason. There's 168 hours in the week. If God okay. gives us 168 hours in a week, can we give up one at the end of the week or the beginning of the week? Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is totally true. That is Not totally a bad trade-off. No. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is been all. Rob, you got any more? No, so this what? has been great. Because, I mean, you know, I go to church every week and I always wonder, it's like, what does it take to, to do what that guy's doing? And, uh, you know, how much time and, you know, if you do a homily one time that I'm there and a deacon does the homily, is he doing it every mass that day? Does it get kind of an obligation to do that? No, I mean, like, we, again, we, we all have this five deacons, so we split that up. Right. So most deacons will get one mass, um, you know, a week. Sometimes if somebody's not there, somebody will fill in and get to do two. So, you know, normally when you're preaching, you're doing one, maybe two, two masses um, yeah. that week. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's probably interesting um, that we rotate, you know, we rotate masses so that, you know, we're not at the same mass all the time so that you do get to get a sense of, um, you know, the preaching of all the deacons, mm -hmm. you know, so we rotate it around. I don't know, Anthony. Anthony, you're pretty good at this. I could see you doing a podcast inside at Deacon's Life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll add it to the list of things I'm doing. Well, you know, you're not a busy guy. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, but it's all great. Oh, I love it. It's all great. Well, I think we did good. Three Italian guys from Jersey did an hour almost. What could the book not It was a good podcast. I think if but three will... guys from Jersey can keep it down to an hour, I think it's <laughs> yeah, a good exactly. day. You know, okay. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But uh, we want to thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank Gap you for having style. me. Thank oh, you so no much. problem. No problem. Well, this was Help Me. I'm middle aged. My name is Rob. And I'm Rob, too. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.